Give up my Atari? My television? How about for this? You bet your asteroid. Introducing the revolutionary Vectrex arcade system. No TV set needed. Instead, Vectrex has a real arcade screen built in. So you get challenging real arcade graphics and sounds with every Vectrex cartridge. No wonder Vectrex was chosen two to one over Atari and Intellivision for real arcade gameplay. So compare. Discover how Vectrex brings real arcade play home. Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast. This is our 11th platform special and it's centred on the Vectrex console. Joining me, Chris O'Regan, in this Vectrex-themed podcast are... Mikhail Groder. Hey. Jesse Fuchs. Hello. And Dean Swain from Retro Asylum. Thanks for inviting me on. You're welcome. So, the Vectrex, it's an interesting machine, to say the least. Some of us, some may be listening, have never encountered one, may have heard of one, or never heard of one. I do not know. But we chose it. We chose it as a, as a machine. Because it's interesting, and there's some games on it, and therefore it's a video game console, and therefore it's under the auspices of Kane and Rinse. That's why we're here. So before we delve into the game system itself, let's uh, ask uh, uh, everyone their personal histories with the Vectrex console. Uh, Mikhail, what have you got for us? Well, um, for a very long time, very little. I wasn't even aware of the Vectrex's existence until I started working at uh, Commodore Gaming, a sort of a uh, license-holding company that uh, was allowed to license out the, no- the name Commodore for gaming products. And our boss got uh, the Encyclopedia of Game Machines in uh, a book for, by uh, authored by Winnie Forster, by a German author. It was a translated sort of uh, guidebook to the consoles released until 2005. And the Vectrex was in there. And I was already looking at this thing like, hey, this looks really interesting. Uh, and then one of uh, my colleagues, the, the CFO of the company, was saying, oh, we used to own a Vectrex when we were little, you know? Like, uh, he started telling me stories about it. And, uh, yeah, uh, it sounded like a very unique piece of equipment. I never really looked into it anymore. And then I started working at Nintendo of Europe and one of my colleagues there had an actual MB Vectrex sitting on his desk as sort of a museum piece. Uh, one time he, he turned it on for me and he showed me uh, Mindstorm and the cartridge of uh, Berserk that he had plucked in the side of it. And yeah, I thought it looked really cool. You know, it, it, I felt it had this sort of um, retro-futuristic appeal to it. It, like, it was like something out of time almost when I looked at the screen. It, it's like... It looked like it came from the 80s, but it also looked, you know, the screen with its its, its vector monitor looked like, um, yeah, something of the future as well. I, I've heard it described uh, to me that uh, when you when you look at, for example, our regular screens and our regular monitors, they're uh, they're pixel based, right? And now we got 4K uh, resolution as a a new, I wouldn't say standard yet, but definitely something that will become more of the standard. There's 8K monitors even out. But uh, the if you look at it technically from a certain spa, uh, certain standpoint, then the, the Vectrex with its vector monitor, which doesn't use pixels, uh, has infinite resolution. So that's pretty, a pretty mind-blowing fact right there. Um, so that was my um, real introduction to the Vectrex. 
And then at one point, uh, this uh, dear colleague of mine was going to leave the company and he was looking at his Vectrex and he was uh, taking me apart uh, or he was uh, pulling me uh, aside and he was asking or he was telling me like, you know, my girlfriend, she's going to kill me if I bring this thing back into the house. So uh, you, you're someone that could appreciate uh, this piece of technology. So I want you to have it. So he gave me his uh, desk museum piece, uh, Vectrex, which I was very happy with. And I put it on my desk. It was sitting there for uh, for six months. Uh, I barely turned it on. And then I started uh, watching some uh, classic game room reviews on YouTube. And he was going through a lot of uh, Vectrex games uh, of, the, of, the, of the library, of the, co- of the catalog. And... Then I was just looking at this thing sitting there and um, I was wondering, why is it even just sitting here unused? I need to take it home and play with it. So that's when I took uh, my Vectrex home. And uh, yeah, I've been, it's been sitting here on my desk ever since. And um, yeah, I've, uh, I've started building a little bit of a collection of cartridges for it, for the, the games that uh, looked interesting to me. Cartridges were pretty pricey. Some of them I bought in a retro game store in Amsterdam. Um you know, back when we when we moved back here to the Netherlands. And yeah, a, f- a few I bought off uh, another colleague, uh, her husband. She was uh, He was selling off parts of his collection. And those I could get for a pretty decent price. So yeah, I've got a decent uh, collection of, uh, of cartridges that I'm personally interested in to actually play. Uh, maybe still, still missing two of the uh, official library that uh, I would uh, like to own still. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's really good stuff. And my my kids uh, are quite uh, charmed uh, with the Vectrex as well. Today, I was uh, we were pl- going through a little bit of the games in preparation for the podcast. I was sitting here with my ten year old son, and he was he's especially fond of Space Wars. But we'll probably get to that when we start talking about the games in the library. Yeah, wonderful. The, the mere thought of a colleague, yeah, going look, I've got this Vectrex. I'm just trying to think with my own personal field that I work in, like. No, no. Yeah, but uh, the, 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 it's uh, yeah, that's wonderful. What a fantastic story! Very generous. Yeah, very generous. generous especially now, they're worth a lot of money. It is, yeah. And and yeah. and the thing is, I had I didn't even know what I had until I started looking up eBay prices, and then no. I really realized how lucky I really was. Yeah, eye popping, eye popping uh, retro tax that now exists. Yeah. Yes, Jesse. Tell us about your personal history with Vectrex. Uh, well, well, mine does go back to my childhood. I, I forget. I feel like it was on the Amiga podcast where I pointed out that my uh, primary consumer identity is that of a vulture. Uh, that uh, when I teach my 80s class, I always try to impress my students how good 1984 was for video games if you were 10. Because they were all five bucks at KB Toy. You know, like the crash was kind of great as far as I was concerned uh, because I finally could afford things. Um, and I think in around Christmas of 1983, I'm guessing, <clears throat> I got uh, my first home computer, the TI-99 4A, uh, because they were being blown out for 50 bucks after uh, being crushed by Commodore. And I definitely got a Vectrex at some point in there when it was also 50 bucks uh, because they had just been crushed by life. Um, and picked up a couple of games along with that. I had always had my eye on one. I remember that the our family chiropractor's son uh, had a Vectrex that I was fairly envious of, and you know got to play with a few times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't recall the details, but I definitely had about a half dozen 
games or so that I got for maybe 10 bucks. You know, everything was being blown out. So I just picked up what I could um, and didn't really get any more. You know, they, they kind of disappeared, didn't really know where I would find more games. So I just kind of played what I had uh, for about three years. And um, my uh, my parents were uh, divorced a few years earlier and living I had one of those very like, you know, the calendar schedule where like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're with dad, et cetera, et cetera. They lived about half hour apart. So it would go from house to house. Uh, and so the Vectrex became very much like, well, I can, it's, you know, semi-portable. I can stick it in the back seat when we go over to the other house. Uh, and uh, it would just kind of come with me a lot. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I, I just enjoyed it a lot until I guess it would be 1987 uh, I really want to get a Nintendo. Uh, and my mom told me that I could not get a Nintendo. I had too many video games, essentially. Uh, and I would have to either, I forget, either donate the Vectrex to charity uh, or sell to garage sale or something. And I really wanted to play uh, Super Mario Brothers, so there it went. Uh, I then bought one pretty cheap on eBay at some point in the early to mid-2000s, I feel. Like, at some point it was... and. I did it mainly because I knew that the uh, GC had put the games into the public domain very generously, right? And uh, and you could get uh, a cheap, like, 32-in-1 cartridge uh, that someone had just made, like, very, very homebrew. The one I got literally has five tiny little red caps on it. So it has 32 games because you're literally pulling off these caps to sort of go, you know, 01011 uh, is this game, etc. But I think the system in that cost me, I don't know, maybe $150, $200. Uh, so uh, I splurged, uh, had it around for about five or six years. Uh, and then I live in a 20 by 15 studio apartment, even something that size. Uh, it's, it's hard to find a place to put it. Uh, so when I started working at the NYU Game Center, pretty shortly after I just donated it to the Game Center, uh, figuring rightly until the pandemic that, well, I'll just, I can just play it down there whenever I want. Uh, and I did. And um, it's actually become kind of a staple, like when I teach uh, the summer intro to game design class in a normal year. Um, it's from like noon to four twice a week and students will show up early and just be hanging around the Game Center for the day. So I would always set up the Vectrex in the classroom uh, for anyone who showed up beforehand, and it would just become kind of like, a, you know, sometimes students would specifically show up at a time to try different Vectrex games. And yeah, everyone just, you know, very accessible. Uh, what's interesting about it is immediately apparent uh, a lot of the games are very arcadey and accessible. So uh, yeah, it's definitely been just kind of this cherished little, I don't know if mascot's the right word of the Game Center library, but I feel like it actually gets used a lot more than any of the other uh, retro gaming stuff. So, uh, despite its increase in value and the fact that I did not get the big tax write off I could have if I had waited, I do not regret my decision uh, until now when I want to play it for this podcast and couldn't because uh, uh, I'm not going below 96th Street. Anyway. No. <laughs> so, that's Thanks. my history. That's wonderful. Um, for me, uh, yeah, I think you're hinting at the robustness of this machine. Uh, to last almost 40 years now, because it is almost 40 years old as a device. So, uh, But we'll talk about it later. But you had a fascinating little story there. And the fact that you traded up, maybe, across for the NES, because, oh, and there's whatever you pronounce it. Uh, right. In terms of K, I mean, we'll, we'll get oh, into yeah. the tech specs, but uh, 
I was a kid and I was done with it, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but uh, I did regret it later, of course. <laughs> yeah, Dean. Yes. I don't think you were, you've never shared this with me, so I'm fascinated. Right, okay. Because all the well, years we've known each other, we've never spoken about our histories about this. So, yeah. right, go on, Dean. Go, go. Okay, mine goes back to childhood too. Uh, it was Christmas 1984. I received an Atari 2600 Vader, which was actually my cousin's, and they had finished with that because it's quite late in the life of that. So I ended up with the Atari 2600 as a bit of a hand-me-down Christmas present. And that Christmas evening, I went to my cousin's and he had a Vectrex, which was brand new. And I was, my jaw hit the floor because the graphic, the glow from the screen, I'd never really, apart from um, the odd Vector game in the arcades, I'd never seen anything like this at home. And... You know, you didn't need to hook this up to a TV, obviously. And I just remember after Christmas dinner, we was all around my cousins and we are playing um, the built-in game, Mindstorm, and he also had Scramble. And we played that pretty much all night, both of those games. And then I didn't see one again until probably about 1991. And... Uh, CEX, which is a store here in the UK, they had their flagship store just off of Tottenham Court Road, and they had one down in their basement, and it wasn't for sale. And, um, you know, you, you just... At this point, I hadn't seen... Like I say, I hadn't seen one in years, and I really wanted one. And uh, a few years went by, and I started using eBay, and... I picked one up for £50 and the sound wasn't working on it. And uh, I ordered an AY chip off of eBay for £2, opened the Vectrex up, fitted the AY chip, and bang, it was working. And uh, it did start playing up after a little while. Um, So I ended up selling that one and I picked another one up locally for, again around 50 pounds and i've had that one ever since nice yeah so you actually got hands-on with it thanks to yeah but it was uh, only relative yeah it was only for that one night and Mm. um i don't think he kept it long because i remember his mum had paid my aunt had paid full price for it which i think was around 150 pounds at the time no 115 that's a lot of money back it was and then because um, these were on sowing Woolworths, they start they reduced them because you know the Vectrex line wasn't around long. No. It'd been discontinued, and they were selling mm-hmm. them off for thirty nine ninety five. And uh, yeah, my cousin got rid of these, and I think he got a Commodore sixty four instead. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Again. it's. Yeah, is that an upgrade? I don't probably. I yes. Don't, well, it, yes, it was and it wasn't, but um, well, yeah, yeah. It's a well, console. The, the, the Vectrex is incommensurate with any other system, right? So we yeah, can't. it is. Yeah, it's just why I'm, I'm just like struggling. I find it. I'm, yeah. I'm it's infinite this. resolution. How do you beat infinite revolution? Resolution. Yeah, resolution. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just you know, just making the point to the listeners. I suppose you can't because at the time it was mainly arcade conversions and. 
you know, you, you don't play them for too long, I guess, compared to a lot was of computer it, games. Well, was it though? We'll delve into that later. If not, uh, if not arcade conversions, then at least uh, a bunch of games also very much inspired by existing. Yeah, arcade I, games. I would oh, say yeah. so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> so, what was my experience? Well, I'm an old fellow. You know, about to hit fifty at the time of recording this show. So, because of that, um, I did experience this game when, or system, the Vectrex, when it actually was released in 1983, I remember. There was a, a department store called Army and Navy. I think they've gone now, uh, locally. And uh, they had this thing. They had a demo pod of a Vectrex. Mind blown. I was I was initially drawn to it in television, but then, which I did it actually have at the time I did have, a, have it in television at the time and then I saw this thing and was, I just I remember playing Mindstorm on it and also Scramble that seems to be the two that a lot of people encounter yeah. on this machine which again I know why but um, and Mindstorm was the, it was the built in game it's slightly better than Snail on the Sega Master System only slightly it's not true it's very very good actually yeah. um, but yeah that's my first encounter with it then fast forward 20 years, because indeed, yes, I just I never got one. I wanted one and then saw how expensive it was. And I knew my my parents were, were not going to entertain buying that because I already had an Intellivision or also had a uh, Spectrum as well. No, sorry, that, you know, the, the, the line had been drawn. I had, you know, you're, you're fine, Chris. I'm fine. Fair enough. So, uh and then in the early 2000s, when you know I started, got the retro bug and started buying up all the stuff that I wanted to, that I couldn't afford as a child, but then could as an adult. And the Vectrex was very much on my my hit list. And eventually, I acquiesced and bought this ridiculous bundle. Can't remember how much I paid for it, unfortunately. So long ago. I did actually look up my eBay account in the vain hope that it might have a record of it. But it doesn't cause it only go back two years, miserable sods. So I can't remember uh, how much I paid for it. It, it, it probably was in excess of £100 because not only did I get a Vectrix, but I also got about 15, 16 games with it. Not actual a multi-cart either, just individual carts with all their boxes and all the overlays. So it's the full shebang. Yeah, that's nice. And, and uh, if you're, uh, I actually recently streamed from my Vectrex to demonstrate... How the you know when you have those overlays, which we'll talk about later in the hardware bit, um, really makes a difference. It really, really, really does make a significant difference. Just a bit of plastic, a bit of coloured plastic. Who who knew? But they do. Uh, and um, I also got a second joystick, which apparently is now rare as hen's teeth. But I do have a second joystick because it has two joystick ports, and it's right that you, you can you can have two player games on it, and it's great. And also, it's good to have a spare of those because they don't you know they can break. Apparently, mine haven't, but apparently they are have a pro have a tendency to malfunction. Um, and that machine uh lasted a good two three years, and then it died. Didn't know what. Well, you know, I, I turned it on, I, I opened it up, I tried all sorts of things, rewired the power supply and everything, did everything within my limited capabilities as an electronics engineer, which is minuscule to repair it. Uh, and unfortunately, unlike Dean, who like who could actually you know just pop a chip in and replace it that wasn't the problem it i was still was taking more. a chance though because Indeed these things can were. kill you <laughs> they can because of the crt and yeah. the discharge and i did you know it was it's not good so i sent it off to get repaired i mean i was it was beyond me and i thought it would be quite minor 
replace a couple of capacitors, you know, what could be No. No, it it imploded in on itself, just due to age. It's just like all of these components that are just gone now, that is broken. And the person repair it, it cost me over a hundred pounds to get it repaired, unfortunately, because it was he said it was just a systematic breakdown of the whole the whole kit. It just died. Everything was imploded and he gave me this huge list of things he'd done to it. And thankfully, uh, replaced it with all brand new parts, and I'm really, really happy with it. Money well spent, in my humble opinion, because I now know I'm very confident that even though I can leave it six, seven months, I can turn it on again, it still work, and it's lovely. Yes, I spent a lot of money on it, unfortunately, but you know, this, we do this for our love of, of, of video games, and you know, you can't. It's difficult to emulate this. So, I, I, I believe there's an iPad version, but Jesse, you tried some emulation. What happened? Um, I'm on a Mac, a 64-bit Mac, and uh, none of the emulators uh, have updated. I think if you're on Windows, uh, there's probably uh, good options. I was just a little too lazy um, (laughs) to, like, set up a whole boot camp thing. Um, But, but yeah, I think it is a little odd that it's not a little better supported just because it is is so open source at this point. Um, Mm. But um, they're also on archive.org, but I couldn't get any controls working. I played around. uh, You can, you can load them up, but I wasn't able to actually get any play in, but, but I think there used to be an iOS version Mm. uh, that's expired since because of the whole 3264 thing. I feel like it's cyclical. We're just in kind of a a lull point, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that that is sad. Yeah, to hear that the iOS one's gone because it it did look great on the iPad. It really did. You know, you could you have one of those iCade cabinet things. Very close, very close to the original. Close, but not quite perfect. Exactly. yeah, where's the buzzing sound? Come on! <laughs> uh, but the, the thing is, is, it's just a, a very different screen, right? It's just a, that yeah. is yeah. the thing. It's a very it's you know, very, very as good screen. as the emulation's going to be. Getting yeah, that vector glow is uh, yeah. it's very hard to get, and it's perfect. hard to describe. It's hard to describe it as is. you see it um, in in the flesh. Yeah, it's very you know, the cameras don't cannot do it justice. They just can't. I, I, I watched a friend play um, on the iPad as well, the uh, emulator, and you do you did see still some aliasing, you know? You you don't see p- those perfect diagonal lines in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sad, and, really. and probably to a lot of people that are listening right now that have never seen a Vectrex, we sound like cult members or something. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, well, no, we're, we're going to pick this thing apart. We're yeah. about to. But before we do, and that's my history, by the way, what my final add-on, my final cherry on the cake, if you will, um, for me is my is my uh, SD reader card. Yes, yeah. I have an SD reader card for my Vectrex. Uh, amazing. You can pop a card out, download some homebrew, pop it in the your PC, then pop it in the Vectrex, and off it pops. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, getting this, and it was very hard to get hold of. I had to write to someone on a Atari Age forum and say, "Could could you make one, please? It'd be really nice." Six seven weeks later, it arrived. But uh, that's the nature of this kind of community. You know, it's wonderful that they did. I did pay uh, you know, a, a reasonable amount for it, sixty quid, I think it was. But that's uh, you know, considering. The vast wealth of games I now have available to me, you know, um, to it is, is, you know, it's a small price to pay, in my humble opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally um, agree with that as well, because yeah. I've got the same. Yeah, wonderful. It lights up blue when you turn it on. <laughs> it didn't have to, but it does. Um, so, 
our community, Kenny Rinse community, not a lot of feedback. I have to say, I know why. Because I just generally people not, not really familiar with the machine. It's all here to educate you about and also hopefully entertain. Um, but Alex79UK did write this and said, in response to us doing Vectrex, he wrote, Cool, never seen one in real life, never played on one, never knew anyone who had one, and don't even know what games are available for it. So I'll be listening with interest. Well, Alex79UK. I hope you're listening now. Thank you for your input. But yes, and that's a fairly typical response. How about everyone else? Do you, when you talk about this machine, do you get the furrowed brown? Like, I remember those. Or do you normally get bemused looks? Yeah. Um, no one I know, um, even on Retro Asylum, who's actually got one. Uh, there's a few people in the community who have, who I speak to, but, um, you know, personal friends outside of podcasting and what have you, they've never heard of it, or they don't remember it. Yeah. I literally don't think it's ever occurred to me to bring up the Vectrex with someone outside of the Game (laughs) Center or game design people. (laughs) And there, you know, it's not 50-50, but in the ballpark. Yeah. I mean, when you're amongst friends, I mean, not it's not it's not dinner. Table yeah, I don't. Thing, I don't but, typically you know, start we... a conversation about the Vectrex. So. <laughs> no, but but cool. the thing is, of course, right. having one st- standing in my house, it is an immediate conversation piece. It's something that people get drawn to immediately. Like, what is that? And then I have to explain it to them. And then, of course, I have to turn it on. And then I have to let them have a go at it, and you know, and see yeah. those mouths drop. And yeah, yeah and that's usually like... how it goes. And what I love, I, mean, I love pointing out to them, like, look at the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love doing that. Look at it. Yeah, you know, it like it does look like something from Alien. <laughs> and you know, it's like yeah. what you were saying earlier, it's very eighties in the style of the actual yeah. console, but mm. the display, there's something very futuristic about it. Yeah, mm. yeah, it, it like the, it's that retro futurism, right? It's like mm. something you would have expect to see. On a 1970s uh, sci-fi show yeah. or, or film yeah. or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about. Sorry, Jesse, you want, you want to say something? Oh no, I was just saying. In terms of the design of the actual machine, it's unclear, but like it is very much like the original Macintosh, uh, and that oh. might just be parallel evolution. But just in terms of that, you know, form factor, yeah. I mean, that that still looks retro futuristic uh, to me in those yeah. ways. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, that has a very unique... But I think it was more driven by the presence of the CRT within both machines. Mm. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that's more to do with that. The Commodore PET was... was another one of those, of course, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it, that, yeah. that fact of pushing... <laughs> well, actually, look at, I'm just looking at my metrics now <laughs> no. as I was recording because it is just over to my to my right here. Not to go on this tangent, but anyone who's listening, look up the Commodore PET and specifically look at the keyboard. It is the most retro-futuristic. It is so Mm. the most Buck Rogers keyboard, unusably so. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think they had one. I think they had one on the uh, on the Enterprise. Probably perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I I I never. I must confess, it's one of the rare rare retro computers I've never used. Uh, Furthest go, I go back for Commodore as a Vic Twenty. But we digress. Something about uh, the design and the aesthetic and the form factor uh, is something mm. we've uh, until now glossed over, but it has a standard vertically oriented monitor. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I wouldn't give to have that sort of thing nowadays, 
when I'm playing a cave bullet hell shooter or something, rather than having it, you know, on a uh, 16 by 9 uh, aspect ratio screen with only the, the middle of the screen being the gameplay yeah. area. Well, there is a modern solution to that, but before we go on to that, let's talk about the development and creation of the Vectrex machine. So, originally developed by Smith Engineering. Um, and then it was uh, manufactured, though, by uh, uh, General Consumer Electronics uh, and licensed to Milton Bradley Company. I think that's right, Jesse, uh, something like that. I think there's some sort of relationship. I think GCE sort of licensed it or sold it or Milton yeah, Bradley. Yeah, they, they launched it, and then Milton Bradley liked the product so much they bought the rights yeah. to it, I believe. That's right, yeah. Uh, and uh, it is, in terms of console generations, it's a terribly topical thing to talk about in this episode because we are now just hit the ninth one, believe it or not, everyone, provided you pre-ordered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking to someone who has, sorry, gloating. Stop stop gloating, Chris. Uh, it's now ninth, but this, the Vetrex, and I agree, I agree. I believe it is second generation. Does everyone concur with that yeah. or not? yeah. Yo, definitely. I think there's a pretty okay. clear break between the Atari Odyssey and the Microvision, which is actually made by the same people who made the Vectrex, would be mm. the, the only first-generation portable. Yeah, um, it's not third. It's not. I mean, some people could right. argue it's third, but I don't think it was. What, the... the Vectrex. Vectrex. Well, no, because I would say, right, Intellivision, ColecoVision, Vectrex feel like the second-generation... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. that are that are riding the wave and then get smushed at various times, you know, along <laughs> with the crash. But but where it is responding, they're all post-Atari Space Invaders, which is like the thing that really m- takes Atari over the top and makes it like a mass market phenomenon. Yeah. So it was launched, uh, launched in uh, North America in uh, November 1982, where so it first appeared. And then in Japan and, and the EU, it arrived in 1983. Believe it or not. Um, launch prices, well, in North America, US, it was 200 US dollars, which in uh, land for inflation, apparently is equivalent to 540 US dollars. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pretty cheap. Pretty cheap for what you're getting, right? I mean, Get it's screen. got a monitor built in. I mean, the, the ColecoVision was 175. And that was released in 1982. So it's about the same. And we can talk, like, the, the specs are interesting to compare on the two because oh, ColecoVision yeah. has more, ca- blah, 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 you know. Um, an Atari at that point would have been 120 or 100 if you were smart and bargain hunting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in Japan, it's 49,395 yen, and the current would be 63,727 yen. And in the UK, it released for 125 pounds which is equivalent is 450 pounds what is also 450 pounds gentlemen at this pro yes that's right it's the playstation 5 and the xbox series x so neither of which have infinite resolution i will neither of which (laughs) and they're still struggling with refresh rates and there's no buzzing sound from them unless you know you have a dodgy speaker connection but you know (laughs) give it time chris they might start buzzing yeah, well, <laughs> actually, the PS5 is buzzing, isn't it, because of the uh, wine? Anyway, that aside, oddly enough and sadly enough, and I do think it's wrong that this happened. I, I, I'm going to use the word wrong. Sorry, it sounds a bit emotive, but it was discontinued in 1984. It lasted 18 months. One of the shortest-lived consoles, I believe, we have so far covered in Kane and Rinse. And that's 
although for what I love about the fact that, that even though it lasted only eighteen months, we're here still talking about it, right? Yep. It's got to yeah. say something. Yeah. We're all enthusiasts, all four of us. Yeah. About this extraordinary machine, and when people see it for the first time, encounter it, very few people I know walk away not smiling. Right. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Just, now, as I said, at the game center, and you just you turn it on, and the the uh, appeal is instant. Yeah. So last time sales, don't know. I really dig dug around. Jesse, do you know anything, my friend? I'm sorry to lie on you, but do you, have you got anything? Because I looked and looked and looked, and no one was really willing to reveal any numbers about how many of the sold. Um, there was some art. Well, I know they lost eighty million dollars. <laughs> Maybe we can. <laughs> Yeah, I know that, a that, lot of money. Yeah, Milton Bradley lost about eighty million. Yeah, uh, so maybe we can project from that how many yeah. actually. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I, I don't, I have never seen numbers on this. My assumption no. would be somewhere in the million to two million range, maybe. Mm. You know, including all the, but including all the ones they didn't make any profit on because they were blowing them out. Yeah. So let's talk about the design, because we've already hinted at that. More than hinted, we've actually described it. Let's, just deal, let's delve deep. So the design aesthetic is echoed the design of computer space, which I believe was released in the 1970s. It kind of does. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't seen images of that, it's a very weird sort of machine, blobby machine, it's sort of like, you know, how the 1970s future, how rather than how it actually ended up. Um the screen really dominates the form. Uh, it is, but also I love one of my favourite parts about uh, the the, the Vectrex is where the controller is. Yep. Because this is only rivaled by the Intellivision with regards to and the ColecoVision with regards to storage of controller. It's quite elegantly designed when you think designed when you think about it because yeah uh, yeah. yeah it's 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 part the controller is part of the machine but not in a way that you know there's no sticks or buttons sticking out it's all like folded inwards and then you sort of flip the the lid and you pull it out and it has this uh beautiful old-timey coiled up telephone wire connection as well to it which i i love i always thought it vomited the controller (laughs) (laughs) as soon as you unclip it pops out doesn't it it just pops out and goes and there he is on the table and it takes a little bit of uh fiddling usually to fold it back in without you know without the the yeah you've got to try and tuck that wire away yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's it's it and it just sort of plops on the table as if because that the you don't realize how big it is it's actually quite big yeah. Um, because it goes quite deep because the CRT, you know, it's a big, this thing is almost as deep as it is wide. Not quite, but almost. And uh, it just sort of plops out and all of a sudden, what's this? You know, it's just, it, it definitely feels like something from, you know, James Bond, you know, hidden compartment stuff, you know, like, like oh, it's, 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 look at it and go, well, how do I interact with this thing? There's no buttons or anything. So, well, you just got to pop open this thing underneath. What's that little lap? When you do, like I said, it just vomits out. It's like, there you go. It's this this thing that's now suddenly becomes detached from the main unit. It's it's incredible. It's just um, that's another yet another thing that's so appealing about. In my opinion, I think it's very appealing. And it's got it's an very... analog stick. 
Yeah. Yeah, and and we, yeah, we'll talk about the control in a second, mm. but uh, let's let's delve deep into the machine, and we can talk about the analog stick because, yeah, tell it. It's sort of a sequel to the Microvision, not the system I'm familiar with. Uh, it's an earlier handheld black and white system with analog paddle and interchangeable cartridges by Milton Bradley. So interesting. Um, the there was only ever one model made, of course, unlike the previous machines we've covered on Kane and Rinse uh, platform specials. It's known as the HP 3000. No idea why. Maybe we'll reveal something in the specifications. But we've already hinted at the specs that this is this is why I said, is it really a second generation machine? Uh, because it's, it's it's a bit beefy, isn't it, Jesse? Yeah, I well, I have since uh, since we were talking, I've I, I've never really used those terms. So I was looking up, and I guess the first generation is pre-programmable cartridges like mm. Pong machines or whatever. Which I mm. I guess I'd regard as zeroth generation, sort of. I don't know. Mm. Like I kind of feel like it starts with the Channel F, uh, yeah. where the interchangeable cartridges to me are what makes a video game console as opposed to just a thing you can attach mm. your TV. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, although I guess the Odyssey one, anyway. Yeah. I would lump it with the Intellivision and ColecoVision pretty clearly, mm. right? Mm. I mean, it, it seems like it's it's a little later than the Intellivision, but it's almost exactly contemporaneous with ColecoVision. has a very similar arc where they're very well regarded. They, they're very good at kind of a specific thing. In ColecoVision's case, essentially arcade ports of a different type, like Donkey Kong and Zaxxon type stuff. Um, and then they just get utterly you know, uh, crushed by an over, you know, a, a wave that has little to do with their own mistakes because neither one, certainly the Vectrex is not responsible for the wave of bad third party, uh, games that, uh, had a lot to do with the crash of the game industry. Indeed, um, no. cause yeah. they had none as far as I know. Yeah. So the CPU was a Motorola 68A09, not, uh, which is a different machine. They, they actually lumped for this one because they wanted the extra oomph that it gave, extra speed. Um, it had a uh, processor speed of 1.6 megahertz, and we'll compare that to the 2600 in a second. Oh, yeah, we've got it here. So the, the 2600 uh, had a 6507 chip, and that was running at 1.19 megahertz and 128 bytes. Not kilobytes, bytes of RAM. Um so the co-processors are GIAY3-8912, uh, sound and controller input and output. The ROM was 4 kilobyte or 8 kilobyte ROM cartridges, mostly 4 kilobyte. Um, and the RAM was 1 kilobyte, uh, two 4-bit 2114 processors, IC204 and IC205. The graphics, the uh, vector, of course, we've spoken about that. With a built-in nine by eleven-inch screen, it's really quite big, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 compared to you think it's actually smaller, but it's actually quite a sizable thing. Yeah, uh, and it's really it it does the job really. Despite that, it? do we classify it as a portable console? I mean, if there's a hand grip on the top. It's it's a luggable. They certainly tried uh, promoting it as a portable system on uh, the European adverts. At the end Mm. of the advert, actually pick it up and walk away. You know the uh, the actors (laughs) on on the screen. So yeah, it was promoted that way. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, you, there's no battery you can put in, right? You're, you no. got to plug it in somewhere. Yeah. But it is, it's a second screen. I mean, that was yeah. a big part of the advertising, especially in America. And when you look at the articles about it, it is very much about like, well, it's a little expensive, but it comes with a monitor built in. And, you know, the family can watch uh, Barney Miller and you can, you know, uh, have a good time playing Zap or whatever. Well, you know, well, for the Amstrad, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right, yeah. No, very similar, you're right. The Amstrad yeah. came with its own monitor, which was a selling point, yeah. and it, it did, was yeah. for the Vectrex too. Yeah, Green Bow Islands. Anyway, colours. <laughs> colours. Well, colours isn't really colours. It's black and white. Genuinely, it's just a deep... Well, yeah, it's grey. It is black, black and white, yeah. <laughs> it is black and, yeah. and, and white. You're not going to worry about the HDR on this sucker. Um the colour was available with the 3D goggles, which I personally never experienced. Uh, maybe you guys have it we'll talk about it later. Um, sound, pretty good actually. Three-tone generators and wave shaping built in three-inch permanent magnets. Very arcade-like, I think the sound mm. is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, um, and there's also a problem with the sound, isn't there? I think we could talk about it now. It's just that it's not properly isolated from the CRT, is it? On the earlier models, at least, the later yeah. ones were buzz-free. But, yeah, the, uh, there is a distinct buzz when you switch it on, on most yeah. of the models. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'd stop hearing it. What, is it about, what about everyone else? After you play it for a while, you I get upset when it. I don't hear it because that means yeah. my speaker contacts aren't, uh, aren't, aren't make, yeah, my speakers aren't making great contact. Because right. I think my volume button has gone a little bit wonky. So you get this sort of, sometimes the sound is not coming fully through the speaker, so you need yep. to twiddle it a little bit. So when I don't mm-hmm. hear the buzz, I know that the sound is not coming through correctly. I, uh, I would be disappointed in an emulator that did not have a buzz option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people moan about the buzz. For me, it's never really bothered me. It's, a, it's just part of its charm. Yeah, part of the experience. Yeah. yeah. I don't know They're if all... I would leave that option on, I'm not saying, right? Maybe, <laughs> you know, but 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 it is... There are times when, when you, yeah, yeah. certainly when yeah. I turn it on, there's a Pavlovian like satisfaction to <laughs> hearing that buzz before the screen even, uh, you know, uh, yeah. comes into play. There are modern modifications you can install to actually eliminate it entirely. Of course there are. Yeah. Uh, I haven't delved into that. Um, so uh, input, output ports and add-ons, there's a volume when you turn it on. So the volume button is the same as the turn on, so you rotate it. It's this big plastic sort of black thing, which apparently has a tendency to split and break off, someone told me. A bit terrifying. But um, anyway, there's also brightness, which is a thing at the back. Quite common. People sell these on eBay because they don't know how to use them. They turn they turn it on. They hear some sounds, but they don't see any picture. They think it's broken. I'm yep. kidding. They then sell it. <laughs> and then all you do is you buy it uh, for a broken device, and then you fiddle this knob, which is right at the back of the machine. It's not obvious. It's like this little yeah. contrast button at the back. All of a sudden, the picture arrives. <laughs> so, um, but be, got to be careful, though. Don't crank it up too high, because then we get this strange effects suddenly appear on the screen so you've got to fiddle around with that but uh yeah you that's a, that's a thing you need to do is so that's that um there is a reset button which is kind of useful i guess yeah it is um, it certainly is with the uh multiple cartridges you know the oh, sd yes. cartridge yeah and fantastic it's not really a good idea to keep switching it on and off the system no. or no. leave it plugged in don't leave it no. plugged in always unplug it after you've used it yeah, yeah. Good uh, tips. Mm. Yeah, it's all like safety and also 
longevity to yeah. tips. Um, but uh, unfortunately, when you've got lots of cartridges, as I do, not me boasting to the point of fact, you have to turn the machine you on do. Yeah. in order to change cartridges. So I did, I did feel I was anxious every time I was turning it on and off. And I was doing that stream. I played at least 10, 15 games. I can't remember how many I did. But yeah, Jesse, you about to say something? I'm going to clip this and uh, send it to the game center this bit so that I can convince them to get an SD card. Because, yeah, with the 32 and one where you're pulling the little pegs off, you got turned off before you do that or else it'll freak out. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's um, it's uh, yeah, it's the SD card thing. You just hit the reset button and you get a series of menus, which you can. It's just wonderful. And the, the resolution, of course, it's infinite resolution, as you already pointed out. So it's beautiful. The menu system, they do, they do scrolling and everything. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so, two controller ports, two nine-pin Atari joystick ports. But, and here's the thing: the joysticks themselves, um, which I think we can talk about in, in a second. But they they have four buttons. Yeah, hmm. and I love those yeah. buttons. They're very um, arcade panel-like. Mm, they are. Yeah. They are. There's also 3D goggles. I've never used them, and there's also a light pen. Again, a device I haven't used either. Um, but what about you? Uh, what about the rest of us? Have any of us used either? I've used the uh, the goggles, or at least oh. a remake of the goggles. Um, right. There is someone out there who makes a new version of the goggles. I don't own a set personally, but I have used them at uh, an event, and it's pretty amazing. So uh, if you ever get a chance to play some of the 3D games, it's well worth a try. Well, nice. I was expecting you to say it's headache-inducing, but no. Some no, some people, I think, if you're colorblind at all, um, you might have problems. But uh, yeah, no, I, I was impressed. What about the light pin? Anyone had a go at that? No. No. Now, though, watching reviews, it seemed actually really cool, and people have made some neat animations and stuff with it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. Um. So one thing, uh, some text about um, uh, the audio or output options. Now, this is a little bit frustrating, but this is the nature of the device. The only way you can have any audio out is via the internal speakers, as far as I can ascertain. Yeah. Uh, and there's no way of uh, – uh, well, there might be a way of bypassing. There is. There you is. can modify them. Uh, yeah. One of my friends from the scene has actually got his hooked up to – to uh, speakers, which are they glow neon lights whenever there's a sound, so it's it looks like mm. a disco whenever he's playing a game. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about the joysticks now, then, because we we've been dancing around those. But um, analog stick, it is a genuine analog stick, uh, and with four four buttons, which is amazing, considering the contemporaries of the time. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, most other computers or uh, consoles had uh, one functional fire button only on the controllers. Yeah. The thing is, though, you'd be thinking that you might never use those other buttons, but a surprising amount of games actually do use all four buttons. Oh, yes, to to, to their detriment. Because <laughs> the, uh, There's a little it, bit of reaching around on Cosmic Chasm, for example. Uh, there but... is. The, having to use your little finger yeah. to actually activate buttons is... Because it's not the most ergonomic of choice. No, of it's devices, not. Is it? um, playing Hyper Chase as well, you have to use the different buttons to change gear and 
gear. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. I think, is the only game that actually uses the analog stick properly. Yeah, one of two, I believe, but yeah. I can't. The, the, the other one escapes me currently. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Jesse, of the, of the joystick? Do you like it? Do you indifferent to it? You... I'm definitely not indifferent, right? Because it's interesting. It is made to go in the console, so a lot of the decisions are not about humans so much as about what fits in that. But given that, like, I mean, it's certainly the best analog joystick because the only other one is the Atari 5200, and that didn't even recenter, right? right? Like, almost every controller other than the good old 2600, which was only had one button and it was very simple, but like is still feels kind of adequate. Every other controller is mind-bogglingly horrifying at the time, right? Like the Intellivision has that crazy disc. The ColecoVision has a little dinky uh, joystick, but it doesn't feel good and springy and it's not analog like the Vectrex is. So in the, you know, given uh, on, on the curve of 1982 video game consoles, I think it's actually quite good. Uh, mm. You know, if you came across it for the first time uh, today, you definitely notice uh, those inadequacies. But yeah, it's uh, you're right. The contemporary machines. I mean, look at the Intellivision. No, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, there's there's fans and non-fans of of that particular disc controller, and of course the the ColecoVision, which uh, you're right. I was just looking at the stats. It's actually yeah, had a, had a very powerful ZAT processor banging away underneath, which is not surprising considering how amazing the Donkey Kong port is on that machine. Um, but that that had the strange sort of... I mean, hold, to hold that controller, so you have to use the thumb yeah. on the stick. Most people don't I mean, know that you have to... You know, they like, were figuring it out, right? Like, were, I don't hold it against anyone, but, but it is... And each of those controllers has its... Like, the Atari 5200 had the first pause button. Like, the Intellivision did have those cool keyboard overlays that led to some really interesting, like, yeah. uh, the D&D game. Like, they each have their merits. But in that context, yeah, I think the Vectrexes are... Um, the form factor does make it portable. And that joystick is really springy and responsive, even though it's this odd little thing you're holding with your, you know pinching almost with your uh, forefinger and thumb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I didn't find it uncomfortable, the joystick itself. I thought it was very responsive and if I do look after it, it actually won't, because it's metal as well, by the way, everyone. It's, it's, a, it's a metal thing going into a, a metal sort of receptacle. So it's, it's quite robust. Um, it does feel well made and well put together. Um, but uh, like I said, they do have a tendency to apparently to drift. That's right, Dean, isn't it? They tend to go. So, yeah, I think there's a spring inside that after, oh. you know, so much play, it, or if it's been mistreated, it, it will snap or bend. But yeah. they, they can be fixed. The only thing is, if you do open them up, obviously you've got to take off the overlay. Yeah, um, yeah. You can purchase uh, new ones on eBay, but obviously they're, yeah. they're not the official overlays, you know, they're reproductions. Yeah, yeah, that happened with my second uh, controller because um, when I was thinking, oh, you know, now I have Space Wars and I have Armor Attack two-player games, I need a second controller for the Vectrex. So I was yeah. looking around. I couldn't even find them on eBay, well, uh, let alone for ridiculous prices at the time when I was looking. I was lucky and, enough, to, sorry to butt in, I was lucky enough to get a third-party one. Um, there was someone making these a little while back, but it looks like they've stopped making those. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I 
actually got an official one. Yeah. Uh, and I found it at a retro convention. It was just, it had its stick refurbished. So the springy part and a part of the label was cut off on the side so they could have opened it up that way, you know? Mm. So, and they sold it for 15 euros only. Which, that's that's uh, a good price. Total, total steal, yeah. yeah. So I was mm. super happy that I uh, came across that uh, that second controller. So yeah, now that's what me and my kid were playing on today with uh, with two controllers hooked up, uh, playing Space Wars, which you can't get enough with, uh, can't get enough of an armor attack as well, yeah. Yeah, we're going to delve into the games now. Before we do, there's something I did mention earlier, but I'm going to reiterate it. Um, the overlays, um, they're quite robust, although they do get scratched really easily. Um, and they did get shipped with a film that you had to peel off mm. uh, before using them. But um, uh, what about everyone else? So you have these plastic overlays that you put in front of the screen. And by doing so, it creates a myth, of, like a, a color uh, output, uh, similar to what the original Odyssey did, actually, back in the day. They'd have actually sort of films that you put over the your television screen to give the illusion of color, which wasn't actually there. Um, yeah, there, there were a few earlier. Actually, Starcastle, that would be the crossover, right? Because the arcade version had the exact same basic plastic overlay on the screen that the right. home version did. Uh, and I think like Breakout and uh, certain Space Invaders cabinets and stuff like that had that as well. Um, I never used them uh, as a kid for whatever reason. I just wanted it raw. I, <laughs> I, I like tossed them aside and didn't give them a second thought. I, I think I just thought they were cheesy or whatever um, or just, you know, didn't want to keep track of them, I guess. Uh, you felt like the you felt like the original developers of the games, actually. They didn't like the overlays. It was a, it was a marketing thing. Hmm. To give it a sense yeah, of really. color. Yeah. Yeah, I've read the same. Um apparently programmers weren't keen on the overlays at all. I I because it, 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 it you know, it gets in the way of like the light burning your eyes, I think, <laughs> which is a big I part actually, of the appeal. I really like them. I do as the well, Chris. I, I think they're yeah. great. I think they enhance so, the majority of the games are enhanced, I think, by the overlays. Yeah. yeah. And and it's Just, the experience of putting a plastic screen in front of your screen to get color that's just that's a magical thing by itself right yeah, yeah. that's I, I mean, just amusing by itself already I, I did it when i was doing my stream and people were just like loving it because it's like oh what, what are you doing <laughs> i'm making color on the screen because it doesn't i mean i did play some games without the overlays to demonstrate to people what it looked like but uh, it still looks fantastic don't mm. get me wrong yeah pole position without it is oh, that game that whoa. um but um yeah, it's uh, it's. I do like them, especially on Scramble. I think Scramble does Scramble really good. Does yeah, Scramble's great. Nice. I'm lucky enough to have an overlay for that game. Not all my. Yeah. I don't have an overlay for all my games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they, I mean, they even got one for Mindstorm, which is actually quite good. And what's also really lovely about the overlays, not many people maybe maybe you have noticed this, but right at the bottom, it gives you indication on what each button does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit like an That's arcade lovely. bezel in a way. Very yeah. much, very yeah. much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the machine itself was marketed as a possible arcade system. Uh, yeah. At it some was. point, yeah. Have you seen the ultraviolet overlays that have been made by the I've community? I've seen that. I've seen that, yeah. The only thing that yeah. kept me from actually uh, buying those is that they plug into the second controller port. Yeah, you, there is two, because, uh, just to explain to the listeners... Um, Someone in the community has made a frame that you stick on the front of your Vectrex and it's got UV lights around the side of the frame. 
and if you use them in conjunction with these uh, sp special overlays by a black lighter, um, you know, you switch the uh, frame on, and the games are given a, an even more impressive glow. There is there's two versions of the frame. You can use one which plugs into the second joystick port. It takes the power from the Vectrex, or you can have one with an extension lead. So you'd need another uh, um, plug nearby, and that might be lights, more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it lights up that way. But um, in a dark room with UV overlays, they look absolutely amazing. Mm. So it's, it's wow. worth checking out. It really is. Yeah, yeah. nice. I just googled it, and I'm, my jaw's dropping. Yeah. I never knew. Yeah, these are that's amazing. Yeah, if you check yeah. out, there's a website. Um, I'm assuming it's blacklighter.com. I actually know the guy who runs right. it. Um, there's a f there's a lot of different designs, and uh, there's special ones because uh, I'm probably jumping ahead of myself here, but there is a couple of different devices. There's one called a Vec Fever and another one called a Pyrex, which allows you to play um, vector MAME games, stuff like Star Wars. Uh. And there's certain overlays that are created for uh, Star Wars. And, you know, it's, it looks like the cockpit of the uh, the ship and just looks amazing. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So before we delve into the games, actually, do we have a quote from a, a, an article in November 1982 uh, edition of Electronic Games Magazine? This is written by Steve Davidson. And he writes this. It, this is generally what he wrote before I start reading it out. It, speaking about the size of the Vectrex, it won't exactly slide into your pocket. No kidding. But <laughs> if it is small and light enough, to go anywhere where there is a 110 AC power source. And then he starts with brackets because this is really bad English. Uh, if GCE ever produce a battery power pack, Vectrex machines could become as common as those huge music blasters on the nation's beaches next summer. What? There's no <laughs> way I'm taking my Vectrex down to the beach. No, and also... <laughs> I just... What? Anyway, I just had to... That's, that... that passage of the text yeah. leapt out of me when I was reading through this <laughs> because uh, Jesse wonderfully gathered all these articles the contemporary articles when the Vectrex was alive and well which was a very short period of time and this one really stuck out to me as fairly typical of the kind of copy that, <laughs> that passed underneath the editor's eyes and went yeah that'll do what um, but uh, yeah uh, interesting response to uh, yeah I can see what they're trying to say he's trying to Highlight that it is te it, technically it is portable, even though there's no way to store the power plug at all. People were it's regarding just... remarkably large things. I mean, the first portable PC was, I think, 36 pounds. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes like it had that. a handle. Yes, uh... just not so much a laptop. If you put that on your lap, you'd actually, yeah, just cut blood off from your. You yeah. Know, not good. So. We were, we were, we were hardier folk back then. Yeah, <laughs> we've been dancing around this, but let's just get, get get to the games. So there's only 28 stroke 29. There's not sure how many. There's, there's some debate about the actual number of games everybody's from this machine. But let's just go with 28 for say. 28, 29. There or thereabouts. And that's officially released at the time of its release. We'll talk about what happened afterwards, after, you know, after we've gone through this list. 
We are going to list them all because we can. Interestingly enough, our last console special was, of course, PlayStation 2. So for us to list all those games would have been ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know how many there are. I can't remember. There are thousands, of course, but not, not this many. So the first three are all 3D games. 3D Crazy Coaster, 3D Mindstorm, and 3D Narrow Escape. None of which I've played, unfortunately. I suspect none of us have either because of the lack of uh, experience of that. Then there's um, Anim Action. And Art Master, um, these all are the, the light pen stuff, which apparently there's some good stuff in the animation by the sounds of things. Um, yeah, yeah, from what I saw on YouTube, uh, it's yeah. actually pretty robust as these things go. Yeah, okay. uh, impressive. One interesting thing is just as a kind of footnote to this, since none of us have used it, but it is worth noting that a lot of early computer games on a regular, you know, like an Apple II or whatever, were actually vector, even though the screen isn't vector, just because it was such a more efficient way. Like if you've ever played King's Quest or any of the early Sierra games, like you can see it draw everything because it's storing it as a series of vector coordinates instead of as a bitmap uh, mm-hmm. or anything like that, just because that was the only way you could fit that many images on a disc. Right. Um, but then so, this displayed in pixels. Yeah. Yeah. And light pens and uh, koala pads, which was kind of the Wacom of its day, were often uh, the way this stuff was done. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, in the, in the context of the time, I think this actually made a lot of sense. So next up is uh, Armor Attack. I suspect yeah. all of us have played this, haven't we? I hope so. Yeah. Um, it's a good one. It's, yeah. it's basically combat only. Vectrex combat. Yeah, combat is a, it's a versus game, right? This Here mm. you're fighting against uh, CPU tanks and uh, a helicopter that shows up every now and then. But you can play this two players cooperatively, which is really mm. fun. Yeah, way ahead of its time. What does everyone think of this one? Yeah, I, I think it's really good. I think it's really mm. fun. It's uh, you. It, there's a little bit of you know, there's a surprising amount of tactics to it where you can you know weave between the supposed city streets and you know try to get the drop on those tanks. And especially when you're playing with two players together, try to you know get them get them uh, to a point where the tank doesn't know which player to focus on, and then hmm. you know close close in on them that way. And then that helicopter always raises the threat level when it appears, right? Because yeah. it's uh, oh, yeah. fast and it goes all over the place and it can uh, point blank you pretty badly. I mean, Armor Attack, I, I want to point out, it was originally a Cinematronics arcade game by Tim Skelly, who did a, yes, lot, right. of, a lot of great games. One of my all-time favorite arcade games, Reactor, which is not a, a vector game, but was the first... Uh, I think for 16-bit arcade game. Uh, but, um, and like Vectrex had a very close relationship with Cinematronics where that yeah. was essentially, they had kind of an open licensing deal because all Cinematronics games were vector games. Um, and uh, Armor Attack, I, I remember playing the arcade version and really liking it. Uh, and so definitely being like, okay, that's one of the ones I'm going to pick up in this $10 bin or whatever. Uh, and if anyone has ever played the Tron arcade game, uh, definitely one of the mini games in that basically is a, a pretty good armor attack ripoff. Oh, right. I've only played the Tron disc uh, arcade game. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, It's good. good. But that's exactly what I wanted to point out as well, Jesse, that they had this uh, Cinematronics uh, deal going on with many of the games in there. Berserk is another one that we'll talk later about as well. And the funny thing is they had a kind of a deal going on where Cinematronics could then port Vectrex games back to the arcade, original games by developed by GCE, which they did with one game in the lineup only, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm. Then we have um, Bedlam. Not a game I remember. I think I've got a copy somewhere, but... Uh... 
I don't think I've got the actual box overlays. Probably I haven't really plugged it in, but um, I'll have my overlays, apparently. Anyone played it? No? Yeah, yeah. That that was okay. one of the ones I had as a kid. And okay. I really like Bedlam. It's because uh, I loved Tempest. Uh right. and admittedly right. the problem is is there's no paddle, but you, no. you do there is a button you can hold down to whip around faster or slower. Uh so they kind of compensate for that. But it's essentially kind of a reverse tempest where uh you're in the center of the screen and just things are coming from all directions. But there's there's clever bits where, if I'm recalling correctly, like you also have to kind of shoot uh, the chambers that you're rotating towards in order to make them expand outward uh, so that the enemies aren't spawning too closely. So there's a, a certain kind of balancing between, you know, shooting the immediate threat and making sure that the environment isn't getting too oppressive. Uh, where, again, I don't know if it's a Tim Skelly game, but it has that quality of like, okay, there's some some actual game design here in terms of like this vector, you know, on the other hand, that thing. That's really typical for Vectrex games, listeners. Vectrex games are not, they, they start out seeming, oh, this looks like um, a regular sort of port or, or clone of something. They look from the outside, oh yeah, it looks like that, but it turns out not. They have these quirks to them that is one of the things that attracts me to the machine. Unlike, although I don't can't really say that about Berserk. What does anyone even think? Because Berserk is dull. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there, there is something to it, but mm. it's a fairly tepid version of uh, the original arcade game. I would say um, it's very, it's just very slow, slow paced. Because there is something to the core hook of Berserk. I think where you know you to get to net the big bonus points you need to kill all the robots in a screen layout right and then make it to the exit but there's the looming threat of evil auto there all the time so you can't take too long so you sort of once you see a new screen you need to sort of map out your route okay i'm going here 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 then i can exit i i can escape this room uh before evil auto shows up uh it's just that this particular version uh on the vectrex is very slow paced mm. yeah yeah. yeah, it's the Atari 2600 version is actually better. And Berserk right. is, you know, it, Berserk's super interesting because it is, it's not the very first game to have, instead of shooting guys, you can try to get them to, you can try to manipulate their yeah. pathfinding and like get them to bonk into each other or a wall and die that way. Uh, and it's a very influential game in like the original Castle Wolfenstein uh, is, is very directly influenced by it. Um, but you know, even the arcade one when you play it today is kind of flat. Like, it, it's fun, but it doesn't, like, go anywhere. Yeah, I, I think the game loses a lot when you've not got the speech from the arcade version. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there is an add-on, which is, I think it's the Atari Vox, which also works on the Vetrex, that there is a hacked version of Bedlam, um, sorry, not Bedlam, uh, Berserk, which does include the speech for the Vetrex. So, uh, yeah, you know, if you can get to play that version it is a bit better but you're right it's very slow based compared to other versions the reason why i still like to have this copy of berserk uh, is because i don't own it on any any other format and it's another conversation piece right because of the whole evil auto yeah uh, people people actually you know the 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 video game with the first registered fatalities uh real life fatalities attached to it It there's a little bit of an interesting horror story to tell people Wow. Okay. 
Um, let's move on to it because I'm aware of the time. We'll talk, speed things up a little bit and then we can talk about our favourites. There's Blitz, not one I've actually personally played. Um, I suspect it's like a bombing thing. I don't know. Anyone else encountered this one? No? Not really, no. Yeah. Um, not spent Is a lot of time. Is it a football but... game? I, yeah, oh, it could be. I, yeah. yeah, that might yeah. be right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's the like X's and O's football one. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, looks better. interesting enough, but I don't care. No. <laughs> Clean sweep. This is a good one. I like this. That's the Pac-Man clone, isn't it? It's the Pac-Man yeah, clone. the vacuum cleaner. That's right, yeah. The vacuum cleaner picking up coins, and then you have to empty your coins into the centre of the screen before you can carry on, and then there's power pills, and it's just unique little twists on yeah. the Pac-Man model. I, it's good. I like it. I prefer Ladybug or Mousetrap. I would, I mean, like yeah. just in terms of like yeah. the gobblers, but it's a decent one. Like, it, yeah. it, it, like that's a good twist, and like just having a Pac-Man type game on the Vectrex is nice, right? So then there's Cosmic Chasm. This yeah. is a bit of a a darling of the Vectrex. I think people. I, I love this things. one. Yeah, yeah. But it's so yeah. involved, right? It starts at you think if you if you're not paying attention and you're just popping it in randomly. And you start out on the first screen. Oh, it's a like a kind of a, a mind storm asteroids kind of thingy again. But then, yeah, you have this whole map that you need to get across and go to the center room of the of the map and drop a bomb there and then escape again. And you have drills that you need to drill through force fields with. Um, yeah, at very very speed. involved. Yeah, at a certain speed. At a yeah. certain speed, exactly. Yeah, quite incredible. I mean, when I was streaming it. Sadly, I did struggle because yeah. I'm usually quite good at it, but. Doing all the streaming and because the way I was doing it, it's difficult to see. But yeah. uh, it's a it's a cracker of a game. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's also. I mean, the irony is this is the one that got converted to an arcade game uh, by Cinematronics. But in a sense, it's the one that most feels like it. I mean, one knock you could say on the Vectrex is that even is like RPGs in a sense. Like even the Atari Twenty Six Hundred has adventure and haunted house and uh the Raiders of the Lost Ark game and Riddle of the Sphinx and and things that have a little more of that uh home game, you know, vibe than arcade brought home vibe. Uh and Cosmic Chasm's actually the one that kind of captures that the most that has this kind of yeah, uh, uh additional layers to it. And then Yeah, a little bit of an exploration element to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fortress of Narzod. This is a weird one. <laughs> I, like I mean, the main. It's a good. I like it immensely. It's weird. But, um, but yeah. It's weird. You can kill yourself with it by firing too many bullets <laughs> and running your ship into it, which I did often during the stream. I'm embarrassed to admit. Uh, but yeah, it's basically a path, a beautifully drawn path, yeah. which reminds me of one of the uh, screens in The Hobbit in the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> Dean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know the one. You know the I one. I do. The narrow, narrow path that goes, but it looks a bit like yeah. that, and uh, and you do actually have to go through each layer, and you have to end up fighting your way to a big final boss. It's got a boss yeah. fight. Well, come on, it's not yeah, up yeah. there with you know, it's not Demon Souls, but you know. I never gave this one that much credit because I thought, yeah, the concept looks interesting, but I only ever saw the one screen, so I falsely assumed it was always going to be that same screen layout. But yeah, there is actually a bit of progression there. There is progression. So I might have to. Yeah. Yeah, search this one out. 
This is the one I played the most of as a kid. I really liked this game because because of there's actually right there's the pinball-y aspect of your shots bounce and you can kind of hit things through angles, yeah. but also have them bounce back and kill you, uh, which I found challenging but but in, intriguing. Uh, and then once you hit, I think the second level, you there's these birds, and when you shoot them, they kind of form barriers. Uh, that both block the enemies, but also block your shots. And so you kind of have to work around that. Uh, and yeah, no, it's it's just a really good little arcade game that uh, is not a conversion as far as I or It's just like a total original. Um, yeah, and just I I beat the boss and it would start over and I would feel very accomplished as a child. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, point chasing is a thing for the, for the Vectrex. Um, heads up, not one I'm familiar with. It's the soccer um, one, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I've had Probably some students uh, play a little of that one. I haven't played it myself. But it looks nice. Hyperchase. Now, we've mentioned this one a lot. It's basically... It's a bit like Turbo. Yeah, it is, game, yeah. It? yeah. It's... So, Dean, do you want to talk about it? Because you, you seem to have been... Uh, it's, well, to me, I think it's a very visually interesting game. But I don't think it's too playable. Um, it does rely on the analog stick, and if your your joystick is starting to play up, it's very hard to play. Needs precise controls, and uh, as soon as you do hit anything, you explode, and it's changing gears again and working your way up. But it's I think it's a very nice looking game, but. It's awkward to play, you know, the way the camera keeps moving around. Very stylish looking game, but I don't know. It's, to me, it doesn't play great. No, there are there is a better driving game Yeah. <laughs> than this one. Mm. Uh, what about everyone else? What are their, what are their opinions of Hyperchase, assuming you've experienced it? Uh, it's the one game that the Game Center has on cartridge for some reason. I think it was a donation. So it is the one I've played with an overlay in the last 30 years. Um, (laughs) and, uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it it doesn't get played that much because I think people generally bounce off it. Mm, Yeah. I'm more, I'm more, uh, interested in getting, securing a copy of Pole Position. I think that looks, Mm, uh, looks much better. What I didn't like about Hyperchase watching videos of it is, uh, your car also, when you move it from left to right, it's sort of sways like uh it sort of sort of, yeah it has an odd movement to it yeah just like those basically you're not actually following the track so much as you're just avoiding other cars yeah and yeah. it's sort of a downward curved motion you know yeah uh next is melody master which is a light pen game apparently uh which you make sort of notes and stuff and it plays them not familiar with it um i don't think any of us are because we've only encountered light pen games so let's move swiftly on to mindstorm now, if you've actually encountered a Vectrex, it's very, 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 very likely, whether you liked it or not, that you ended up playing Mindstorm because it's built in. And indeed, if a cartridge you've shoved into the side hasn't worked, we've all had this, right? Yeah. You shove it in the side. and it Happened to quite, me today. Yeah, it hasn't worked. <laughs> and uh, rather than starting the game up you just put in, yeah, it did. Mindstorm kicks in instead. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, you know, it's a bit like a Sega Master System. If you put a cart, a cart in, so I can't find anything, and it'll just yeah. come up with an error screen, or just plot start playing snail. Um, what is yeah, Jesse, um, Jesse and me um, really were oh, yeah. going on about this game on we the, the show that the we did on, yeah, yeah, on the <laughs> show that we did about asteroids. Yeah, um, this is not asteroids. No, I'm sorry, I'm saying it. 
it's an awesome game. It's a different game, and it has a massive twist. That I'm looking at the articles written of the time. They get it wrong. They describe the game incorrectly because they oh, it's just like Asteroids Deluxe. No, it's not. No, no. no. For starters, no. Uh, you're not shooting asteroids that break into smaller parts. Of course, you're uh, shooting at various geometric shapes, and I'm pretty sure that this was an inspiration for Geometry Wars. Um, and these different geometric shapes all have different kinds of behaviors as well. And you get introduced to more of them the further you get along in the game. Yeah, yeah. and you, you shoot one, it disappears, yeah. and another one appears yeah. in a predefined dot that was dropped exactly. by the ship. As it and if you're not across. clued into that, you just think it's a star, Starfield background, but all the dots are spawn points for the enemies, pretty much. It's the yeah. the minefield. Um, yeah. That uh, it's a good the, the the impressive thing about this game is, uh, which is nice why it's built in, is that sort of opening with the ship flying over and dropping the mines on the field, right? That really yeah. smooth. 3D it's impressive, animation. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That music yeah. is a bit dun, dun, creepy. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 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 Yes. I just love the fact that the flying saucers when they come in. Now, we yeah. all know about the flying forces in Asteroids. You can listen to that episode. It's a wonderful episode. It talks at great length about that. And is it Little Bill? Is it? I can't remember the, the little one. Um, he's quite vicious. And this one, he appears and he, there's a trail of dots behind it. Now, again, if you don't know, a dot is just like the Starfield. No, it's not. That's yet more mines. Mm. <laughs> so you have to kill it quick. Otherwise, yeah. you'll get overwhelmed with yet more mines to clear. It's, yeah. fan- it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's just playing well. on the on the Vectrex, of course, and what and and the game that really you know, enchant yeah made me feel wholly enchanted with the system. Just those the explosions, the line based explosions are so great already. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Love and this it game. controls great. Yeah, I do have the overlay for it. Can't believe I got the overlay for it, but I do. Yeah. Um, but uh, it it adds a little bit, tells you you know all the buttons on the bottom. Yeah, great. Yeah. So it's got the it's got the um, what is it? The hyperspace button, which I hate using in asteroids <laughs> because I've always feel I've failed at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, now apparently, apparently maybe one of us who knows a bit more about this than I, but there was a sequel release, but it wasn't the sequel. It's called Mindstorm Two. And uh, it was released on cartridge because it was a bug. Fix. Yeah, Mindstorm, you couldn't get past level 13 on the yeah. built-in version. Kill screen. Yeah. Right. So that's why there was a Mindstorm 2, which it's titled Mindstorm 2, but the gameplay is exactly the same. It is the same game, but you can progress further than level 13. Yeah. I do I, have this on SD Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I think, obviously... At the time, there was no internet. It was only people who were good enough to get to level 13 knew that there was a problem, and they contacted GCE or MB, and they would get sent the uh, the bugged-fixed version. Yeah, never available at retail, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you had to go out and it's, ask it's for it. It's kind of an inadvertently cool version of like the Activision patches. Like, yeah. you, you, <laughs> that's your, I mean, especially because it's so valuable now. Like, if you got one of those legitimately, like, that is a, a, a genuine prize. Mm. You got to level 13 and you, uh, yeah. yeah, they send you this thing. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit worked up about it. Like, ah, 
you know, that I didn't have Mindstorm 2. But on the other hand, I never made it uh, to level 13. That's it. I've never got that far in the game anyway. <laughs> Not even no, So it's all good. <laughs> because, of, you know, Dean and I both got the, 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 that version on SD card, so we can do that, and it's fine. Yeah. But it's just like, I've never really needed to Because, <laughs> you know, it gets really intense. The, the minds suddenly become, you know, really intelligent and yeah. start chasing you around the screen. Chasing you around, exactly, yeah. I think uh, far, furthest I've got maybe was level seven at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. And next is uh, Polar Rescue. Not familiar with it. Anyone? No. Nope. It looks uh, really cool from videos. It's uh, like a submarine uh, sort oh. of shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like a battle zoney, but yeah, a submarine, underwater, but like yeah. first person. Yeah. It looks. I. I don't even know if it's on the thirty-two and one, but I definitely now want to play it now that we've. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I I probably have it on the SD card actually. In fact, I fairly do. Very certain I do because I know, Dean and I know those those cards contain pretty much all of yeah, them. Yeah, or whatever you want to put yeah. on it, really, if you can mm, find it. Yeah. Um, now pole position. This we need to talk mm. about this. <laughs> words need to be said. Good words. I like to think. Um, I've played it. I did stream it. It's fantastic. It, Runs really well, very, 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 very fast. So impressed uh, with the animation on the car. Yeah, yeah. And this, I think, I'm right in saying, it's the other game that takes advantage of the analog stick with steering. Probably, I before, think it so. is. Yeah, but it's actually a proper racing game. Mm. You do have to decelerate. There's gears. You do have to, you know, navigate around corners and do pit stops. It's, it's all there. Yeah. Uh, Jess, Jesse, have you played this or? Uh a little bit. Uh, right. I mean, I liked it, but um, for whatever reason, the the racing games never really took to me either on this or like okay. even Turbo on the or Enduro or anything like that. Yeah, I just think Turbo, the tiny steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> discussion for another so time. pole position only came out in the US, maybe Japan, but definitely not in Europe. There's no, no uh, European no. cartridge of pole position. Um, does anyone know here? Since I'm speaking to experts, if the uh, Vectrex is region free, it is. As far as I'm aware, yeah, um, yeah. obviously this again. This is a game that me and Chris can play, and I've got a reproduction overlay for this. Right. Um, yeah, it really comes to life with yeah, the overlay. Actually. It does, as it, long it as your displays lined up correctly, because uh, obviously the mountains yeah. in the background, you know, they change color of the uh, the overlay. Right. Yeah. But sadly, I don't have the overlay, so I've been looking for one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I still don't get me wrong, listeners. You can still play Vectrex games without the overlay. Yeah, you've established that already. Um, yeah. And some games actually look better without them. Absolutely, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, but some do not. Yeah, I've got the uh, pole position overlay in front of me, and again, as we mentioned earlier, with some of the games, it tells you what button does what, so that helps, I guess. Yeah. Um, first <laughs> gear, second gear, and three and four are gas. There is no breaking. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, you just let go, don't you? Only you... wimps break in racing games. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you're playing, unless you're playing Dirt Five. Yeah. Anyway. Oh boy, that game requires. Yeah, I need to get me a copy about. of this. Yeah, it's good. It's good. good. You saw me stream it, didn't you? So it's yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, next is Ripoff. What is this one? This is a very clever game. It was a, it was another Tim Skelly Cinematronics arcade game. Okay, okay. Uh, and you are it is the first um, um, cooperative two player 
arcade game as far as I know. Uh, maybe first cooperative shooter. But you, uh, if you play a two-player, uh, you and your friend, maybe, uh, are guarding these, I think, fuel canisters or some sort of treasures in the center of the screen. And basically, just enemies are coming from off screen. I think there are pirates or whatever. Uh, and they have relatively advanced AI for a... 1980 arcade game where like they have kind of flocking behavior where you know they're avoiding each other they're kind of working kind of in tandem uh a little bit and they're basically trying to zip in grab a fuel canister and run off the screen so you don't i think you have lives but it's more about like if you lose all of the fuel canisters you lose maybe you don't have lives i don't think you can be destroyed i think you just uh die when you lose all the things in the center but um, it's been a little while since I played it. But it's, again, that kind of, as I said, Tim Skelly definitely had a real sense of game design, qua game design in that sense of like, there's a couple of interesting vectors bouncing off each other in this that make for pretty emergent uh, arcade gameplay. Oh, anyway, should, um... and the Vectrex version is good and it's pretty much the exact same thing. I should, cool. I should hunt that one out then. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Um... Okay. And especially okay. if you have two joysticks, because I'm pretty sure I haven't played the home one with two, but I'm pretty sure oh. it would have the co op. Oh, the one with okay. Pink. That makes it more interesting to me as well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, this is another sort of um, system seller um, scramble. Yeah. And an extraordinary yeah. port of an extraordinary good game, in my opinion. Uh, Scramble was one of the earliest lefty-righty scrollers that was ever made. I think it was the earliest. It was, it? yes. Yeah. Kind of yeah. kind of tied with Vanguard, but Vanguard scrolled up and down as mm. well uh, in multiple directions. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, we talked about uh, Scramble on the Gradius series podcast we did earlier this year on Canarins as well. Um, really good version, this. And it has Konami copyright on the back of the cartridge. Uh this is the only official, officially licensed home version of Scramble, believe it or not. <gasps> no. Yeah, all the other Scramble versions of for home computers and for consoles are kind of bootleg, actually. They were not officially licensed. Huh. Because hmm. I played this on the 81. ZX81, though. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, <laughs> They didn't, oh, have, yeah. permission. They didn't have permission for that, yeah. Yeah, that's back in the day when they didn't care about stuff like that. <laughs> no. no, exactly. But uh, but GCE did it uh, the correct yeah, way. Yeah, they did. Actually went to Konami and they licensed yeah. it. What is it, do you think, that makes this game so, so much fun on the Vetrex? Why does it work so I well? I don't know, because when you think about it, it shouldn't work, should it? You know, it's a vector version no. of a raster graphic game. Um, yeah. But it does, you're right, it works so well. I think that this is such a playable version. Yeah, it replicates the layout of the uh, arcade stages very yeah. well. And maybe one thing that I didn't hadn't even stopped to consider, it's the only Vectrex game I can think of that has left to right scrolling and uh, mm. you know, that type of stage progression. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it just goes like the clappers, by right. the way. It goes really fast. Yeah. And there's no flickering. Really? I made a I made a video of this uh, on my uh, totally not dedicated YouTube channel. Just threw it on my YouTube account right. uh, a while back, where I, sh I show people how to do the final uh, stage navigation section. You know, with the the sort of the uh, the high tech fortress uh, section yeah. where you have to really navigate the that last very tricky section, and it's a thing where you 
think you need to pull back to the back of the screen all the time, but actually, no, you need to move forward and then move back again. Otherwise, you can never make it yeah. through there. I think I think I have my exception. I think heads up because the soccer one, I think that is side scrolling in the sense. Right. Of, I'm just thinking about that actual capability of the machine. It is yeah. right. Because right. there's a lot of like the spectrum not so great at side scrolling. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame they didn't take more advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. Still, though, Scramble, the only one that scrolls from left to right with, with actual stage progression and the terrain changing. Yeah. yeah. Especially when those little flying saucers appear in those caverns. Like, yeah. Such a surprise. If you're not prepared <laughs> for it. Because yeah. you think the game's going to be... Because you think the age of the game. You think, oh, it's just going to be me flying over this landscape, b- bombing things. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> How wrong you are. And that part, you need to be pretty clever as well because mm. you're... You tend to just hammer the fire button and to shoot everything. Don't, don't but there you need to sort of slow down your shots because if mm. you fire up four shots in a row, you need to wait till they're off the screen and one of those sl- flying saucers can yeah, get you. Yeah, you need so to you have the need timing to spot on, don't you, really? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you need to tap, 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 more like yeah. that, you know? Soon, seeing it done right is really a sight to see. Yeah. It really is amazing. Well, I've finished it once. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I think I one time uh, two looped it. Like uh, I, I. Yeah, you went through it twice. In a row. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In That's row, impressive. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that that core in the end is pretty hard to hit, <laughs> though. So if you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Solar Quest. Then is this, this is a good one. I like this. It's got like a sun thing in the middle. Uh, I don't think it's got a gravitational pull, but uh, they have these things. These ships flying towards the center, and you blow them up, and you. It's it's an interesting yeah. one. Uh, you have to pick up little things that they drop. We don't have to, but it's beneficial. It's a pretty. You also get a lot of lives. I remember liking mm. this one a lot as a kid. In that it's 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 a little mellow and a little easier than a lot of the other kind of shoot 'em ups. Um, and right, and you can't just blast things willy nilly because I think they're like survivors or something. Right after you shoot the ship, they leave a dot, and uh, yeah. that's where you get most of the points. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I remember this being pleasant. I haven't played it in a while though. No, it's the the, the movement is not as fluid. It's it, and as you get exposed and, and get blown up quite easily if you're not careful. Hence the lot of lives. I think that's their attempt at balancing. It's not really the way to go. Um, Space Wars, kind of. It's it is what it is, right? This is uh yeah. This one has a little bit of history attached to it because this is also a port of a Cinematronics uh, arcade game uh, by Larry Rosenthal, who was obsessed with Space War, the uh, MIT, pretty much by all accounts, the uh, first yeah. computer or video game, mm-hmm. right? The uh, MIT project, uh, which is a very sophisticated piece of software. When you think about it, like uh, two ships, you know, a, a two-player game where you face off against each other and try to shoot each other down, but it has inertia, it has gravitational pull in the in the core of the core of the screen with the sun, and you know you can slingshot your the shots of your ships around it. You can blow off pieces of each other's ship without outright killing each other. Um, so there's a it's it's a pretty sophisticated game. Um, and yeah, so Larry Rosenthal uh, designed uh, the Cinematronics arcade game version of uh, Space War, and then it got ported to the Vectrex in a very accurate way. So this is, to me, kind of like getting the uh, Space War experience at home, you know, going back to that origin of, uh, of the video game. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good port. 
Yeah. You can yeah. actually get it on Steam, believe it or not. Uh, not this particular, but you can actually get Space Wars on, on Steam. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, and my, my 10-year-old son is uh, crazy about it. We were just we just were playing it today. And we couldn't stop. We just going at each other all the time and having mm-hmm. a lot of fun and teleporting all over the place, trying to throw each other off. You know, sneaking up on each other from the edge of the screen because it's wraparound. It's uh, it's really fun. That was a thing back in the day, wraparound, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, any any idea why? Is it like a, a easy thing to do? Was it made it easier to program? Why was that? Does anyone know? No, yeah, I'm not uh, sure. Just a thing. I that mean, most most games. It's either that or you hit a wall, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Like, there you, uh, go. you know, if you've got this thing with inertia, what happens when you reach the edge? You can yeah. either bounce, like like uh, Death Bounce, Jordan Mechner's first never published game was basically Asteroids with that, right? right. Uh, and right. It, it makes for an interesting game, but it's very chaotic. Mm. Uh, and I suspect it's just like, well, you do one or the other in the wraparound. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's fun. You, you then and, and then, right, because otherwise you start uh, pinballing. Right. I think it was the asteroids on the links that also had that. And it's fun, but it's also demented. <laughs> where you're just constantly <laughs> bouncing around like a pinball. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Space War, worth pointing out that that PDP uh, had a vector screen, right? I don't know if yeah. you said that. But yeah, I mean, as opposed to computer space, the the pre-Pong Nolan Bushnell one, uh, which was bitmap and was mm. um, a single player game uh, where you're, it, it's very Space War influenced, but it is different. And Cinematronics, yeah, were the first ones to really bring back uh, that original game in an arcade, were the first ones to do that game in an arcade format. Uh Anyway, yeah. yeah, and you either pilot a star destroyer or you pilot the Enterprise. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next one is um, Spike, uh, platformer apparently, but I never played it. Have you never played Spike? Oh, the speech <laughs> on it! It's great. <laughs> My- yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. just, just yesterday through sheer coincidence i saw oh, what's it the night in the woods guy uh scott benson tweeted just eek help spike in all cap letters out of nowhere and <laughs> it's just it's out there it yeah. is yeah and it's uh it, it's a it has a couple of firsts it's the first platform game starring a hedgehog um <laughs> and it's the first it's the first uh Two and a half D platformer before the likes of uh, Clonoa and Pandemonium, yeah. right? Because it's sort yeah. of like uh, the perspective is sort of into the screen, and you know, yeah, it has a two and a half D sort of uh, effect on it visually. Yeah, and it's it's the only platformer on the Vectrex, and it's a very entertaining yeah. uh, game to play and and look at and um, and listen to and listen to yeah yeah the, <laughs> not a lot of speech but they make it count yeah um i don't know the name of the designer but i do know one of my students at the game center had him as a high school computer game design teacher oh really? uh, and he's apparently uh, a fun eccentric that is that is all <laughs> i remember yeah i'd imagine yeah it's a good game it is generally good pop yeah, but the speech is yeah after a while but no it's a <laughs> Fair play to him, you know, they, they tried. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's really impressive did. myself, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, Not many it systems is. done speech back then. And, uh, no, yeah. I, remember, I still remember the Intellivision baseball. That so was. the technicality with uh, this one is that uh, the Vectrex didn't have uh, support for speech synthesis. Uh, synthesis. Um, but, yeah, it is, it's basically an onboard thing of the cartridge. Yeah. Wow. 
Next is um, Spinball, or uh, also known as Flipper Pinball. There we go. Yeah. A passable, in my humble opinion. Uh, barely, barely passable. Barely yeah. passable. It's not. Yeah. It's not, not not a not a great. Yeah, it's the the ball kind of goes off all over the place, and it's it's not not great. So let's move quickly on yeah. to Star Castle. Um, now I don't remember this one. Um, this is a pretty good one. Another cinematronics. Pretty sure it's right. Tim Skelly game. If you've ever right. played, an interesting is, story yeah. with this one is uh, Atari originally had the license, uh, but the um, guy who uh, Howard Warshaw. Uh, actually was able to convince them that like it didn't translate because it's a vector game to the 2600 and instead let him make a game with the spirit of Star Castle, i.e. Yar's Revenge. Right. Um, right. But uh, yeah, Star Castle is essentially, there's a thing in the middle is protected by rings. You shoot the rings, uh, you find the gaps, you know, you try to, um, again, there's kind of a Tron mini game that feels a little based on it. Um, but yeah, it's... I, it's pretty good. I don't know. What do other people think? I like it. Fine. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's pretty good. Okay. It's a bit like sort of gore or something then. You got to... oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, this next one, I'm not keen on the door. Starhawk. No, I think it's another um... game that looks pretty impressive, but it's just so repetitive. It gets boring very quickly. Yeah. So, essentially, you're just randomly shooting things that appear on the screen. There's a rotating planet below. It looks like the trench from the Death Star in Star Wars. So there's a bit of a, oh, I'm flying down the trench. No, you're not. You're just basically this icon that's shooting around, shooting objects on the screen, and you've got 60 seconds to score the most points. That's it. Yeah. And considering yeah. how, you know, it's bad. It might it's, it's a very early, right? I think it's one of the very first cinematronics games. It's it's very early, and yeah, it, it just doesn't. They didn't. They they should have added stuff or something. Because yeah. yeah, I had it. It was one of the ones I got for you know a few bucks, and I liked it yeah. okay. But I didn't you know didn't play it that much. Oh, I do have it. It's, yeah, it's my, but you know, it's, shoot it's, things for sixty seconds. It's fine. Yeah, but yeah, and you get yeah, an extra it, twenty seconds if you shoot a certain ship. I know. I just I'm a bit. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Considering yeah. what other games there are on the system. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next one is a bit of a tricky one. Um, it was originally a license to Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, a video game. Uh, but then MB got hold of it, and they changed the name to Starship. And that's the version I have. It's basically a first-person sort of cockpit view, like the Star Wars sit-down cabinet game. What does everyone think of this? Oh, no, it's more like Star Raiders, actually. Yeah. Yeah, oh, without have... the strategic part. Hmm. Yeah, I Which... quite like it. I actually hmm. quite. I think it flows and plays quite well. What is? What have them? Yeah, yeah, again, it's not bad. I've not spent a great deal of time with it, but what I have played, it's it seemed pretty decent. It's possible. Is this tactics? There's depth. You know, this you... one is still on my shopping list because I think it looks a little bit, at least, like a, a showpiece game for the system. You know? Yeah, it is actual it into the screen flying. Yeah, I did feature it in my stream. Uh, I had to because I just thought yeah, this one's different. This one's weird, and uh, you know, it makes sense that they did that kind of game for the system because you know, yeah, Star Wars. It makes sense. So, uh, and then finally, finally, I know everyone. Really, is that it? Yeah, finally, Web Wars. This is really interesting. Yeah, I yeah, like this I like game a lot. This. It's like a like a tunnel tunnel shooter, like something like Gyrus, right? 
but then you can actually increase and decrease your speed by pulling up or down on the stick. Yes. Um, and the objective is to actually, you're this s- sort of space bird, and your objective is to catch these creatures and then take them through a portal and drop them in your trophy room. And if you take too long, this uh, massive dragon appears and starts bombing you, starts going on a bombing run. And the I think the tunnel effect is really mesmerizing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Again, you have to see it running on an actual yeah. machine to get better fit because it looks. I, just I have an stunning. overlay for this as well, which uh, adds quite uh, quite a bit to it as mm. well. Yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. agreed. And yeah, I mean, you can always tell people when you're playing this and showing this off. Look, this game already had trophies way before the <laughs> PS3. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. <laughs> So they were the official releases, everyone. They're the releases that were actually officially released for the system whilst it was on sale, actively supported by MB or Milton Bradley. Um, but as one of the games recently discovered this year, November, uh, unearthed some code called A Crush of Lucifer, which Dean alerted us to just before we started recording. And we watched some video of it as well, because none of us have played or experienced it. It's only just been discovered. It's got a lost prototype. That was discovered by someone uh, on Reddit, and people. It seems to be genuine. And uh, Dean, do you want to describe it to us? Uh yes. Um, I guess it's. Um, I think I'm right in saying it's taken its inspiration from the Star Wars arcade game. Uh, one of the levels. It's like a 3D grid, um, and you shoot in poles that are coming towards the screen. And you can spin round just like Star Wars, you know, in the TIE Fighter. Uh, there isn't, you know, the video isn't too long. Um, it's only about three minutes in total, and it shows the same level over a few times. But what is there is really impressive. Um, I would mm. love, even for, you know, this lost code just to be released. So those of us who have got multi-carts or, you know, you could play it on a, an emulator, I guess, could just experience it see how it actually plays because it looks very nice indeed i would love to have mm. a go i mean it doesn't look like there's much of a game there but it no matter. it doesn't um, yeah no. you just want to see it in real life yeah right? yeah because yeah. yeah. the video on youtube at the moment is not great i haven't done any uh, it's flushing and flickering all over the place because i haven't done the um, the uh, shutter speed probably. Yeah, I mean, filming um, the Vectrex is notoriously known to be very difficult, as you know yourself, Chris. Yeah, it yeah. is hard to do. Mm. Yeah, and unless you're Clint from LGR, you're, yeah. you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, he's a nice fella. God, I say it. God, give me a shout out. He's a lovely man. Um, so, what happened afterwards then? Oh, it just stopped, right? And the game, the machine. Don't be stupid. Of course it didn't. There was a homebrew, and is a, a homebrew community that continues to make games for the Vetrex. Now, there's two that immediately spring to mind, but um, Dean, you can maybe talk about some yep. more. I've personally played uh, Frogger, which was released in 1998, and I did stream that too. Really good port of Frogger. Really good. You know, more than you know, uh, uh, the graphics and the display, and they really went to town really went to town with it because they knew what it was capable of. And even though that's quite an old port now, I mean, that's 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's Big Blue as well, which is an interesting sort of diving for treasure game where you go into the, and you pick up treasure and you make your way back up again. And that's been recently released. 
Uh, have you got any... Um, yes, I have. Uh, because there is absolutely loads of homebrew for the Vectrex. There might have only been 28 games released officially for the system, but over the years there's been probably at least another 30 more, if not more. Um, and there is a certain programmer whose work you've got to witness on this system. Um, and one of these games is Vector Patrol. But his name is, the programmer's name is uh, Christoph Tutz. Now, he's produced, um, I'll say, Vector Patrol, which is a Vectrex version of Moon Patrol, which is really impressive. And he also converted Time Pilot, and it's called Vector Pilot. Um, both of these games, after you've listened to this episode, get yourself on YouTube, type in the names, like say Vector Patrol and uh, Vector Pilot for the Vectrex, and you will see this guy can make this machine do stuff you wouldn't believe it could do. Um, really impressive. And the games, they are quite expensive, um, but they come packaged really nice. They're in like a VHS box. They come with an overlay, colour instructions. You know, this is like buying a game uh, back from when the Vectrex was on sale in the shops. And like I say, it's just amazing what this guy can make these games do on this system. It's just unbelievable. Uh, Moon Patrol in particular is one of my favourite arcade games and the Vectrex version is incredible, really playable and it needs to be seen to be believed. Yeah, I haven't even delved into Homebrew for the Vectrex yet. There's, there's still... Yeah, there's still, still so much out there. Yeah, it can be very pricey because a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're doing the games in the spare time, but obviously producing game cartridges is quite expensive yeah. thing to do. So, a lot of the homebrew is available for download as well. So if you do pick up an SD cart, you know, you can play the games right. that way. But um, there's certain games that have not been released for download. Um, and this guy's games are are those you know you, you have to buy the uh, the products from him but even for the price that they're well worth it nice yeah. it's extraordinary really but uh, most of my experience has been either at uh, expos when we used to go to yep. those uh, and also um on my sd card stuff which is still great stuff like i said um, the Frogger is the one I, I actually streamed. Uh, it's really yeah. good. So. And it's, like I say, it's worth pointing out that there are a couple of uh, add-ons for the Vectrex which have been made by people supporting the system, you know, the homebrew community. Um, and two of those allows you to play MAME Vector games on the system, such as Star Wars and it's Whoa. very, very impressive. And Tempest. And you can even get spinners now for the Vectrex. You know, there's someone in the community making spinner controllers. So Tempest works really well on it. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great system to collect for, for the original games. But there's so much going on with the homebrew right now. Um, it's quite hard to keep up with, and it can work out quite expensive. But it's a system that, I don't think you can really emulate. No, that's the thing, that's right? That's it. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's strange. We were saying about how this system sold. Uh, if you go on eBay, 
especially in the UK, it seems there's a lot for sale, but they are, you know, they're very expensive now. People are looking to, uh, they they want maybe five hundred pounds now for a system. Whereas when I bought mine, uh, like I say, I've had two. I only paid fifty pounds for each of those consoles, and we're going back probably mm. about ten years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jesse, have you had any interest in homebrew stuff? There's four or five games on that 32 and one cart, uh, and the one I remember some students got into and we played some of was Dark Tower, which was I think actually not even homebrew. I think it's a prototype that was just never yeah. released. Uh, actually, which was an adaptation of this weird electronic board game I had as a kid uh, that has actually been redone recently with the big rotating plastic tower that lit up in the center uh, and is more of kind of almost an action RPG uh, adventure sort of game. And uh, that one seemed interesting. And yeah, no, I mean, this will be another uh, way to convince my department to fork out the money for an SD uh, attachment. <laughs> yeah, we could talk afterwards about how to source one. I wish it was straightforward, but sadly it is not. Um, and it sounds like I'm gatekeeping here. I'm not. It's just the nature of the community, I'm afraid. But yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's let's move on to our personal favourites of the of that list of games. Um, uh, Mikhail, what, what do you think? Which are, which are one you you would return to on a regular basis? Well. Almost all of them. I think the weakest <laughs> games uh, that I own, uh, all, all cartridges, are probably Berserk and uh, the pinball game, uh, Spinball or Flipper Pinball, mm. um, which are, yes, Berserk I got with the system, and the Pinball game, I I'm just have a thing for video pinball, and I thought it was interesting to buy, regardless of the quality. Um, other than that, I return to almost all of them, but maybe if I just have to... Look at the two games that have the most legs for me. It's definitely Cosmic Chasm and Space Wars because of the versus multiplayer aspect and the sophistication of that game, actually. Yeah. 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 Jesse? I guess it would be Narzad or Bedlam. Uh, just because I do like like the fast uh, Twitch action in both of those. Uh, and, um, I mean, Spike, I think, is a really special game that just, you know, sticks in everyone's memory. Um and yeah, Cosmic Chasm and, and Web Wars or two that I now want to play. I've played a little of, but did because I don't have any of the manuals and, you know, the, the it's just this random three, three, two, one card. I bounced off them a little bit. Uh, but now I, after kind of learning about them, I really want to go back to them and, and dive into them. Dean? Uh, I think it's probably Scramble is my, my favorite. Uh, Mindstorm is something I'll always return to. Um, yeah. As a built-in game, I think it's one of the best built-in console games out there. Um, and also, Pole Position, I think, is a great conversion. So those three do get a lot of play. Yeah, I think Pole Position is absolute triumph on mm. that machine. Because you describe it and go, how are they going to do that? How are you going to translate that extraordinary game? Which is a rascal. Yeah, that's, this is the thing. This, it really is. You know, Scramble and Pole Position, they're, they're two games yeah. that should not work on that system, but they really do work well. It's <laughs> really amazing. Do. So thanks for pointing those two out. But for me, I'm going to mirror Jesse on the Fortress of Nazod because it's ridiculous. This is a game <laughs> where you can actually shoot yourself. Yeah. You know, it's, there's not a lot of games out there, and there's good reason that happens to. But, yeah, yeah this... It's, I just love the pathway and the fact that it mirrors itself if you go 
up this pathway towards the boss fight. The fact that it's sort of like, oh, it's a boss fight game from 1982. You know, it's just there there weren't many of those back then. And uh, I just, I just love the the whole aesthetic of it and the the typeface and the and the iconography of it. It's just lovely. It's just so different to the rest of the titles. And that's what, I, and not that I don't love it because because it's different. It just adds to its charm or adds to its appeal. You have to love that name as well, Fortress yeah. of Narzot. Yeah, it's just it's a, you can imagine the marketing meeting on that one. Should we call it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it some sort of fortress thing of what? I don't know. Uh, it might be someone's name or an anagram of someone's name. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, or it might be the fever dream. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> I, I just love it. It's just such a such a lovely game. So very pretty, very pretty. So we're gonna have our final summary thoughts then on the machine. Uh, so uh, start with you, Michael. What, what, what do you think of uh, of uh, of the Vetrex? What's your final thoughts on this uh, very it's interesting? So- and device refuses to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a machine out of time, like I said already in the beginning. It's such a unique piece of gaming hardware. Um, and, you know, just over the years, I've become to realize just how lucky I was to just, you know, got one handed, handed off to me. Um, but the thing is, a system is only as, uh, as good as its games, right? And despite yep. its very short shelf life, despite... The majority of the games being developed or coded by GCE Electronics, which otherwise didn't have a major presence in the in the video gaming industry, um, the ones that got released during that time period are of surprising quality. I was uh, I was really taken by it because you go back to in television, Atari 2600, uh, of course, and there's just so much crud out on those machines that it's hard to sift through, you know, to get to the good stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, the majority of the Vectrex games that were released for it in its uh, in its lifetime are actually very worthwhile, I feel, and very responsive and fun to play and so interesting design elements to them. It's, uh, it's quite a treasure trove when you discover it, when you come across it. And then there is... The part of it of the machine that I haven't even explored yet, which is of course the homebrew side of things. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit of uh, it. F- it feels almost, you know, insincere or gloating like to talk about it. Like, oh, you have to get a Vectrex, you have to play it because it's it's not a rel- readily accessible machine, right? And I don't think emulation does it justice at all. But uh, if you ever find yourself in a spot. If you're interested in uh, the history of video games and you find yourself in a spot where you can actually acquire a Vectrex, go for it. That's all I have to say. Well put. Jesse, what do you think? Yeah. Well, your thoughts on the Vectrex? I, I love it and think that we are lucky to live in the universe where someone made this mistake. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, I, I errata, I was wrong. It was $30 million that Milton Bradley lost. I was, right, the $80 million yeah. was, I was thinking of Hasbro uh, doing VR in the 90s. Right, right. right. There you go. There <laughs> figures you go. messed yeah. up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, 
I've been teaching my uh, 80s computer games class uh, remotely this semester, of course. And of course, that's gotten me thinking about what we're missing out on. And and the answer is mostly not much in the sense of it's nice to be able to use the Apple to see or whatever we have at the library. Uh, but most of the students would play those computer games in emulation. If you get yourself an Atari joystick with a USB connection, like... You know, the keyboard's different from an Apple keyboard when you play Ultima 4, but whatever, right? It's It doesn't yeah. matter that much. Um, the things that we miss, really, you know, there's one week where we cover console games um, and one week where we talk about arcade games and, like, we have a trackball cabinet, right, at the game center. And, like, that's incommensurable. You can't play Centipede right unless you have an actual trackball in a cabinet or something. And you can't uh, necessarily play... I don't know, uh, you know, Atari Demons to Diamonds, right? Unless you're using a real paddle. Uh, and you definitely can't experience Vectrex, most of all, uh, unless you're playing on the actual Vectrex. Like, uh, yeah, the emu it's, I think it is worth emulating. I think these games, if you like tight, simple arcade games from that time, these are, you know, very easy to get into, even without uh, the real weird, unearthly glow of the actual machine. Uh, and the uh, infinite resolution, as we have pointed out. Uh, I feel whoever's editing this put just like a, a I don't know, a horn in like infinite resolution and echo with <laughs> different <laughs> octaves every time we say that. Um, but infinite but you, resolution. <laughs> there is, yeah, I mean, it. it's funny, but it's also true, right? Like there is something genuinely uncanny about this screen that, yeah, like you you can't experience other than experiencing. Um, and yeah, if you get the opportunity to, to play one, definitely do it. But even if not, I think it, you know, poking around in the games uh, will do you some good. Dean. Yes. Well, I think the guys have summed it up so well. I think it would be, you know, uh, if this thing didn't exist, my life would be a lot duller. Um, it's a great system. Mm. Uh, Obviously, it's not something that everyone will get to play, but if you go to any events when we can get back to going to these sort of uh, events, yeah. do try and seek one of these out because uh, I think a lot of people will, you know, they'll listen to this and they'll think, yeah, it sounds all right, but it can't be that good. But until you actually witness this thing in front of your own eyes, um, it's hard to get across just how nice this system is. And uh, I guess, you know, it's just bad timing when this was released. If it had been released maybe a year or two beforehand, there might have been a lot more um, games made at the time for it. It probably would have done a lot better. Um, because it's a, an amazing system. It's It's got such a charm, certain charm about it, that no other system has. Um it's just hard to get across in words. I, I love it. And, you know, I've got lots, like you guys, I've got lots of different systems here in front of me. But I know that mm. they, although it cost me quite a bit of money, they can be replaced. The Vectrex would cost even more to get replaced. And I'd be heartbroken if I didn't have mine anymore. I really would. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's always that scary moment. Yeah, when you switch when you it on. on. Is it, it does it still work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, will it work? Is it still yeah. working? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a 1982, 1983 system. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. That that smelling of... 38 years old by this point. Smelling of burning electronics is never never pleasant. No. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Right, well, for me... Well, again, you've stolen a lot of my thunder, but that's the nature of things. But... <laughs> I think it's a wonderful and important step towards where we are now in terms of video games. It's a, it's a really wonderful way of a demonstration of how the early second generation video game console market or technology was starting to spring out. Like, we're trying this. Will this work? You know, and there were aspects of the Vectrex that still remain with this to this day, like built-in screen. Uh, I like to uh, point to the switch now, <laughs> you know, and uh, which is ultimately yes, it's a, it's a, it's a portable. That's a portable platform, of course it is. And also, you, you heard uh, Mikhail talking about how he's unable to play arcade games on um, because of their everything's on you know sixteen by nine ratio. Well, actually, on the switch you can rotate the screen, and indeed there is that's a right. there is a device that allows you to. Clip your 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 joy um, cons to the sides of the of the switch to allow you to play the arcade games as originally intended uh, for the printed price of twelve US dollars. So just a lump of plastic, but it's great. <laughs> it's, it allows you to do that. I've got one, and uh, uh, so you know things have. There's definitely influences from this machine that still remain with us to this day, but it is unparalleled. When it comes to uh, Vectrex or Vector, sorry, graphics, of course it is because that's what it's about. That's what it does, and it could do amazing things. Things that even though it's black and white, even that is even that it doesn't doesn't matter. Um, it's it's still um, you still get engrossed in the experience, and that's something that uh, I mean, I'm totally grateful for, and I'm very happy to own one. But like I said, let anyone who owns one. Uh, the anxiety of turning it on for a while, since the last you turn it on for a while, is is not pleasant. Because <laughs> <laughs> you always got that uh, anxiety that you get rather than the rather than the lovely Vectrex and da da, you get <laughs> instead, <laughs> which I don't hope that ever happens. So it remains for me, Chris, to thank to thank Mikhail, Jesse, and Dee, as well as uh, all our correspondents. Plus, of course, you for listening. If you enjoyed our, this podcast, then please consider our Patreon, which you can get find at www.patreon.com forward slash Kane and Rinse, or one word. Thanks very much for listening. Infinite Resolution! <laughs> エドワー、ここまで進化した。圧倒的迫力で未来を撃つ。未来を描く。コンピュータプレイは未体験ゾーンに。ドクターズ